Okay, welcome back to this week's Top 4 Pod. I do have to apologize right off the bat. I did miss a posting of last week's or basically didn't post out. So that will be coming out as well with this one. But you'll get an FA Cup preview show and an FA Cup post show. Plus, with this episode, we'll be talking about the championship playoff, the Champions League, some transfers because that's already heating up. And uh, we'll talk, as usual, our questions for from the listeners. So go around the table. Lewis, how are you feeling? Good to have you on the episode. Fantastic. <laughs> Perfect. And Mr. Tedinho, are you all right? Yeah, steady. Steady. No complaints. And Garbs, Garbs, we've got you with us as well after a Big brutal guy. day on the court. Go ahead. Yeah, brutal day on the courts. No, um, Champions League week. So I'm fired up. Cleared my schedule for Friday afternoon. All right, well, let's jump into it, boys. What did you think of the FA Cup? We'll leave Lewis and I's takes till a little bit towards the end there, but what did you did you guys watch? I know, Ted, you watch it. Garbs, did you did you watch any of yep. it? Yep, I watched the whole thing. I watched um, uh, all but the first 15. So you basically just missed Pulisic's goal and then you just watched Arsenal dominate the rest of the game. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest. Here's my full opinion. Um, I thought the first 15, I thought you guys were going to get beat 5-0, to be honest. And then um, Pulisic going off, I think, hurt them a little bit. The card situation, obviously going down to 10 men. You guys flipped it after the water break. Um, Whatever Arteta said worked big time because I thought the game completely changed there. Um, And you guys were good for the end of the first half. I thought the second half quality was bad, but I thought the first half of the first half, they were good. I thought the second half of the first half, you guys were good. Yeah, I think the drinks breaks Arteta has used quite well to his advantage throughout the restart. And us making it to 1-0 at that point was really big. And then, yeah, he absolutely fired a rocket, made some tactical adjustments. And from there, I'll say we pretty much, outside of Pulisic and Pedro in that first couple, it's five, ten minutes in the second half, um, I'd say we probably were deserved winners. And, yeah, I mean, we can talk about our boy, our boy Anthony Taylor for sure. Um, in a little bit, but yeah, we definitely were on the, the positive side of some really bad refereeing, but you know what? Bucket will take it at this point. So. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, what, how did you watch it? Were you at home? I was at home, yeah. Saw yeah. the whole thing, of course. Uh, yeah, I would agree with Gobbs. I mean, early on, Pulisic looked great. I mean, he tore us apart a few times, and I honestly thought after that first goal, we was, it was going to be bad. Um, and to be completely honest, I think with him not getting injured, I think we lose by a couple goals in that. Um, I don't think we had an answer for him in the back. Uh, so, you know, we got some luck for sure. I don't think – I think the refing was iffy, but I think he missed some in the other direction as well. So I'm happy with it, um, obviously, and hopefully now we can use some of that money to maybe buy a player or two. We'll see. We'll see what yeah. happens in that regard. But were you Ted and Ted and Garbs? Were you uh, texting on the side as usual, just talking shit about us? FaceTime on the side. Yeah. <laughs> were you really? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. It's 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 just yeah. keeping. You know, you guys go on the. Honestly, for me personally, the the emotional highs and lows of a group text during an Arsenal game are really hard <laughs> for for even me to take. 
because I was on the golf course. For, I was on the golf course, and then for all the build up, and like, you know, you guys went from your your usual again semi, you know, like uh, pleasure beach roller coaster, where it's like, oh, the teams coming out, we're really excited. All the teams come out, no, we're not, but we can still do it because it's a cup final. You went through that bit, which was great, which was great to see, and then. Pulisic went off on one, and after 11 minutes, you'd have thought you were down 7-0. <laughs> I, 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 was not, I, I, was, I was not like that. I think the highlight, I think the, oh, bollocks. I remember the quote, and I will, and I will bring it up right now. <laughs> I, was, I was driving home, and I had, uh, I stopped at a, to get a drink on the way back after the slowest round of golf I've had in years, and uh, I looked at my phone, and I saw, we need one, we need to score before the half. And here I am thinking, oh, God, I must have lost track of time. No, it was 12.44. The, ga- <laughs> the, game, the game was 14 minutes old. All right, Garber, as a neutral, <laughs> as, as a neutral, that first 15 minutes, what did it look like? No, it looked like you were going to get beat. That's what I said, 5-0. Yeah, it looked bad. Like, they were just running through the middle middle of the pitch with no resistance. Well, actually, Xhaka was helping them. He would, yeah. he would hand the ball <laughs> to them and say, here, run through the middle. Yeah. It, it looked like it was going to be a horrible day. That's why I was a little concerned. But then the drinks break came, and suddenly we realized how to play football again. Well, yeah, they had basically set up, in, I guess, what especially was a 3-4-3 to match us. But um, Mason Mount, who, you know, my own personal feelings – side played pretty well in that first 15 minutes as well as Pulisic and they basically just they played behind Giroud so it was almost like a I would say like a 3-4-1 or whatever 3-3 three, three, whatever you want to say well, not 3-4-1 because that doesn't make sense but anyway like they were playing in the space between and Ceballos and Shaka were so pushed up so high that on Jorginho and Kovacic that basically Pulisic and Mounts just were like running free behind behind them so any ball pass that got past the bios and Shaco was just like chaos. And to be fair, Mount... so every ball, yes, <laughs> yeah, pretty every much ball. every ball, yeah, every because ball. they can't actually move. The yeah, problem. exactly. Like they they passed it at one point. I mean, on their goal, they passed it to Pulisic, who was like maybe a foot or two, a yard or two in front of Ceballos and Shaka, and he turned and hit, took one touch and was like by both of them, and it was just that, at that point it was over. Um, that was the biggest that... adjustment that you guys made, I thought, after the drinks break. And I think, Lewis, you said it too. Holding started playing tight on Pulisic. You yep. gave him no space off. the Like, the second he got the ball, he likes to turn and go, and you took that away. Yeah, he basically – he clearly told Holding to, to base and Tierney to man-mark the shit out of Mount and uh, Pulisic. Because, I mean, Tierney was following Pulisic, like – or, I'm sorry, following no. Mount across, across the damn pitch at, at one point. So – he clearly realized like we couldn't just let them just trounce around in between defense and midfield, and then from there, because you still had Bellerin and and Maitland, Maitland Niles as wingbacks defenders too. So from there, that's when it kind of changed, and then Aspilicueta couldn't really keep up with uh, Obama Yang and Maitland Niles on the wing at all. So that definitely helped. But yeah, I mean, I in the first fifty minutes, it did look really, really bad. So. I mean, it was what it was, but yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that group that probably during an Arsenal game looks pretty, pretty dismal at times. We enjoy it much. It's the performance on the pitch, really. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we we enjoy it. We have our fun with it. Yeah. 
And then they I get, get our subtle it, jabs in in the middle in the middle of it, and sometimes they go ignored. But I know you read them. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention, then I, I Facetime uh, Ted and my buddy Japes, another Arsenal fan, like right afterward the game. And the first thing Ted says was like, "Football died during that game." Just couldn't even let him be happy for three seconds. <laughs> Let me have you for three seconds. Just as like, it was not only... as bad as Baku. Seriously. Blood, bloody hell, man. But it had the same amount of Arsenal and Chelsea fans in it, didn't it? That Baku did. Yeah, true. Zero. <laughs> I read an article in the run-up to this game that was about, like, the Arsenal and Chelsea fans that went to Baku. And by the time they got there, they couldn't even, like, muster up their hatred for each other. They were just drinking together. Like, I mean, who cares? It is what it is. <laughs> so... Totally. That seems like right. what the players felt like in that game too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, it's. Thank God we're not in the Europa League, like for the rest of the season. So, anyway, overall good game. Uh, I think we definitely got lucky with injuries because then that, that also affected their substitution levels. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we have Aubameyang. We probably had the only world class player on the field at that point, so he basically made the difference. So. I love that man. He's so he's the fucking coolest guy I know. And uh, yeah, even if he leaves, I'll be getting his name on the back of the ne- next year's kit. I don't care. It is what it is. So oh, you can't do that. No, that's for what an FA Cup. You can't no, for do being that. like a for, for being a legend for the club at this point. We'll I think if you ask, I think if you do that, you have to buy this year's shirt, get his name on it, and keep it. You do next year's. I, I, don't, yep. I don't. I don't. I can't. I can't. No. I won't Kieran, worry for that Kieran, either. Kieran Tierney has yeah, to go Tierney on the back will, next, next, yeah, next year. Tierney's a legend. For sure. So, are we going to touch on uh, Anthony Taylor? Oh, big Anthony Taylor, go for it. You so, can start that. Here's how I feel about that. So, go the on. first goal, the penalty, I could say it's soft, right? But then David Louise gets called for those where you just touch someone's shoulder and they throw themselves to the floor and it's a penalty. Wait, wait. Is there anybody actually claiming that? That's, yeah, that's, that's penalty. A, penalty. Well, that, was a, that was a penalty. I don't think I've, that was. No I've seen people on, on Twitter going off on it, and I'm like, how's it not a penalty? And then a penalty to, all day. to me, if it's a penalty, then that's a red. Because when the when he starts the foul, there's no one close to being between him and the goal. Yeah. So he's clearly the last man. And he's, and he's not trying to play the ball. It's no, it's no. just so with his hands. Professional foul. Yeah. So, yeah. people that bitch about the Kovacic red, which was an awful call, that should not be a second yellow and then a red as a result of that. I agree, but then you would, you would have been foul. down to 10 earlier. So, I mean, I, I don't think the referee was all that, that bad overall. I mean, not bad for Chelsea, I would say. So, it's bad overall, but it wasn't biased, I guess is how I would put it. I agree with that. The yeah, Kovacic I mean, red was a joke. The second yes. yellow was a joke. Complete yeah. joke. But I we I was texting with you guys watching at the same time and I said red card right away for Azpilicueta. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It has to be. And I mean they they were they guess the reason they gave it in off because Rudinger was covering and I was like, Well, he was covering because uh Aspilicueta was basically hauling him back for the for the for twenty yards. So that's the only reason he even caught up to Aubameyang at that point. But even so, when they said he was covering, by the time he got dragged to the ground, Rudiger was parallel with him. Yeah. 
So like also, he's not even in a covering position at that point. Yeah. Also, it's fucking Antonio Rudiger. He sucks. So right. I don't. So <laughs> it's still it's still a very high goal scoring chance at that point. <laughs> anyway. So anyway, yeah. The uh, the Kovacic one in real time, I was like, because the uh, it, the American broadcast, they were like, they thought they booked shock or they they thought they booked Ceballos for for testing, for get, asking for a yellow, but he actually had booked um, Kovacic on the second yellow. And like he just didn't realize he had booked him before. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't a foul at all. And it's it's pretty disappointing that VAR can review straight reds but can't review a second yellow leading to a red because that wouldn't have been a foul at all. It, it's another one of the things where VAR is just not great. And yeah, look, I mean, like, I think it's pretty pretty telling when Anthony. Taylor was announced as the referee of the game that both sets of fans were like, well, he hates all of us. So, <laughs> and, and I saw, I saw, I think the, the, the London football Twitter account today tweeted uh, all of Anthony Taylor's terrible decisions this year. And it was, it was probably like a four minute video, five minute video. So it's just like, you know, refereeing in the, in the country is pretty bad. We've talked about this multiple times. Bar is far off from where it should be. And uh, yeah, I mean, at this, in this situation, Chelsea were probably let down. Plus the fact that, they had three major injuries, so you had mm-hmm. had to play with nine yeah. guys for the last ten minutes or so. so. So and probably three major injuries to like their two probably most important players at, at one point. So I don't know. So with with VAR being able to review a red, did VAR review the first one to see if it was a red, or can they only overturn a red to a yellow? So in that case, case what they would have to do is tell Taylor to go take a look at it. And he would have to make the judgment call on the field. But okay. they're in that situation, if he thinks it's only a yellow, they're not going to overturn it. Like whatever right. call he makes on the field is whatever call that they're going to stick with because they're just they don't want to overturn. It's going to be clear and obvious, right? So I'll be I'll be yeah. fair to the MLS. The MLS has done a better job of that. Yeah, Agreed. I sent that post over the other day where they're so transparent with it. Do they have the refs mic'd up? Yes, um, and the and the VAR. Do they? Yeah, so just do that. They, so they've easy. only just they've only just started sharing it though, right? It hasn't been. I think it's on the MLS's back where you could actually hear them communicate. Correct. Yes. It, oh, it's not during it's not during the actual game that you can hear that the broadcast. You can hear that. I wonder what happens if there's an iffy one if they're going to release that. It is. It's all retroactive. It's not during the broadcast. So, I mean, I think gotcha. it's. I think it's good to show that there is, you know, intelligent discussion happening because a lot of times I do question it. Um, but you know, I think the the referees in MLS are on a good job of, you know, thinking things are cautions, and then all of a sudden they'll go look at it and think, "What oh, damn, no, it ain't." <laughs> you know, I do think it's a dangerous game to play though because everything looks worse in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that referee ask for it in full speed? I thought that was interesting. And in one of the MLS videos, when the guy goes to the monitor and he's talking to the VAR guy, the VAR guy shows it to him at, at 50% speed, and then the ref said, I need to see it at full speed again. So he wasn't making his decision based off the slow-mo. He was making it off the full speed, which I thought was good to see because everything looks like a foul in slow motion. Yeah. Now, now I do think it's important that you see. I think them slowing it down to see exactly where contact occurred is important. 
Like, cause yeah. you you're talking up and down two inches. I mean, that's a big deal. Like, you know, top of the ankle versus top of the shin is, you know, is, is, is a, a big difference. But, you know, I look at the way the, the English referees are using it. I did think in um, post-corona, there were, oh, I remember three or four instances that actually went to the monitor, which didn't happen, I believe, very often pre-corona. I don't think it happened at all. Yeah. So that's that's a step in yeah. the right direction. I mean, the Eddie, yeah, yeah, the Eddie Nketiah red, mm-hmm. red card was a. They were like, hey, you need to go to the monitor and look at this, which is fair. It's a red, not out of malice, but like you said, where he connects and how the ball is and all that, it definitely was a red card sending off. So that is how you do it. That's I mean, that's how it should be done. Yeah, without question. I think that they can get a lot of their issues away just with transparency, and I think they think it's going to hurt them, and I think it's only going to help. Because if a guy sees right. something as a pen and is dead set on it, and you can hear him communicating that after watching it, it's harder to argue with him. You can just say shit versus saying that there's something going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he's sitting there and saying, like, hey, um, I saw Espelicueta tug him down from behind and make no attempt at the ball, it's a penalty. And the guy, the VR guys are like, yeah, fair enough. You know, that's what we kind of see. If you want to look at it, you can look at it where you don't see anything really different yep. from what your viewpoint is. And the whole point is to say, like, it has to be clear and obvious. Then they say, okay, that's a penalty. Like, if you if you, if you he can explain himself, or at least you can hear it afterward. I mean, hockey does the same thing with, like, their retribution. Yeah, you can hear the refs like talk it through. But you can, NHL does yeah, that with it, their reviews also. The referee comes out with yeah, a microphone exactly. and tells you exactly why it's a goal or isn't a goal. Exactly. So, I mean, that would definitely be be great for the, the sport. Because it would, it would start eliminating some of the conspiracy stuff that right. we have out there. Outside of, I want to hear why United, Manchester United ever gets a penalty again. That's I do want to hear that. So, um, anyway. Well, Arsenal have won. We're back in Europe. That hopefully, like you said, Lewis, will get us some extra funds cleared up. Looks like Willian is joining. We'll get into that in the transfer section. Um, overall, good day. Slightly weird because of there being zero fans. But it was nice to see, to hear Ian Wright and some of the other stuff going on in the in the background and uh yeah man i mean we can go home after a very terrible season with the trophy so hard to Spurs argue can't that. say that nope <laughs> somebody tweeted the best part of football is no matter what happens the joke is somewhat somehow always yep. on Spurs, and pretty much true because now they have to play in the europa league qualifying which i think began two weeks ago <laughs> so good good luck for them <laughs> uh, but anyway Good on the boys. We'll see what happens with Abba and some of the other players. But Lewis, anything else you want to give a big shout out to our big, the big man in charge? Yeah, I mean, I think um, Arteta did did well, right? He came into an absolute shit storm, and we were up and down in you know the league from anywhere from twelfth to finishing eighth, which isn't great. But to get to the final of the FA Cup, uh, beat the teams that we beat, and finish the season with that, I think is is huge. Yeah, and hopefully kickstart some crunky funds coming in, but I won't hold my breath. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to the championship playoff because that's huge. That's tomorrow. Um, Ted, I know this is a big, big part of your life. What do you got? Give us a little breakdown. Of what's going down? Oof. You know, I think it's uh, it's it's an interesting one for me. I really like watching Brentford. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they are. Um. A brave team, 
you know, in the way they play. You know, they do spread the game wide. They try and play through the lines. Obviously, got, you know, your man in the middle, um, Zabrama, whatever his name is, um, who I thought was quiet in the first leg. Um, you know, I suppose he came alive a little bit in the second leg. Um, it's make or break for Brentford and him. Because if they don't win, I think he's off. Um, arguable, even if they do win, <coughs> is he is he is he is he still is Bless he still you. off? You know, um, you, you know, looking at looking at Fulham, um, you know, I really like Scott Parker. I think he's uh, you know as a as a really consummate pro as a player, and you know, <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> <laughs> he's a consummate pro as a as a player and obviously taken over from you know when, when Ranieri was, was was let go as well. Um you know, I think he's they've stuck with him and obviously it, it's worked out for them to bring him back in the position to come up. But you know, Fulham's got you know, Tom Cairn, he's a really, really good player, an attacking player. Obviously, you know, Mitrovic just scores goals when he's fit. So I think he's uh, he's been injured recently. Um that's be a good game, to be honest. You know, I, I think it's I think it's a game that I am disappointed that there's not fans at more than ever because he's obviously both kind of West London um, clubs. I think would would be interesting and quite passionate to watch it. But you know, I think the biggest question for me is going to be: Can Janssen, the centre back, you know, is He's he obviously left Leeds. You know he's quite the uh, quite the leader for Brentford. So he, you know it's gonna be interesting to see. I know he got sent off in the first leg, but I believe he's back for the final. Um, and apparently Mitrovic is back as well. So that that matchup for me will be interesting if if uh, if Mitrovic gets in the Mitrovic Janssen uh, matchup. But I don't know. My I'm gonna go Fulham. I think Fulham are gonna are gonna pull it off. Two one is gonna be my is, is my prediction for that one. So correct me if I'm wrong here, but Brentford are a club that basically were taken over by almost, essentially what it was a rich fan, um, and they've been using a lot of data. So they're yeah. becoming more of a they've been kind of going about the modern ways. They've been using a lot of data and a lot of statistics to kind of like produce the build the team that they've got right now. Is that correct? From what I know, I mean, I I feel a bit sad to say that I'm not massively. Uh... I haven't Big kept up, up with it as much as I wish I had, but I mean, I watched the watched them yeah. the last little bit, you know, and you know, I wish the championship honestly was was uh, broadcast. You know, I don't know, ESPN Plus has got a couple of games a week, but you know, I think it is one that you know, as we get back into football, because I mean, obviously, US sports is still kind of struggling to be honest to see how it's going how it's going to work. So, whereas if you know, you could. Like if if uh, they could push out the championship coverage the same way they do Serie A, I think you'd get a much you get more casual fans to watch the, the championship the way it's played and the goals that are scored than you would uh, Serie A nil nil. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, and there's also I feel like there's a some decent amount of Americans swimming around in there too. Also uh, true. Yeah. Which. Yeah, so I know, I'm sure, just because of that, I'm sure there's a lot of people, I know there's a lot of American Fulham fans because of McBride and Dempsey and all that stuff, so I'm sure a lot of people are cheering for them. I don't mind them as a club being in the Premier League. I feel like they're always, 
I feel like they've always been a soft touch whenever in the last few years when they've been in the Premier League. I don't know if that's uh, just me. Not, un- not but, untrue. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, they're they're kind of a cosmopolitan club where everyone loves going to the away games there because it's a nice day out. Fulham's in a nice area of the town. So, I mean, yeah, I'm interested to see either one of those. I, would, I, I, mean, I think just cool to see Brentford up there. Um, Lewis, didn't we used to like always play them in a friendly? Brentford? Preseason back, yeah, back in the, the banger days. Uh, I can't remember. No, we used to play uh, Boreham Wood. Um, Boreham Wood. We, we okay. played Brentford uh, in the COVID shutdown there. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, anyway, who you in your where Brentford? Uh, I'm hoping for Brentford. Um, a guy I work with is from there, and he's a big, uh, you know, fan of them. And, you know, like you said, Fulham have been up mm-hmm. there a few few times and they never really do anything. They've kind of had their chance up in the Premier League. I'd like to see someone else get, get one. Uh, and then also, a little fun fact, yeah. Brentford haven't lost to Fulham in their last five times playing them. So not that that means much in, in this kind of game, but interesting. I'd like to see Brentford in. Yeah, I mean, because this to be the first time. You know, I like the clubs that are a bit. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Sorry, for some, for some reason, it just kicked kicked me off for a second. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, from there, let's go to Garbs in the Champions League breakdown. City have Real Madrid in their second leg on Friday. What's the story, big guy? How you feeling? Um. Every week that passes, I get more nervous about it. I, I felt like after we beat them at the Bernabeu and the way we did after going down and kind of dominating after that, I think that we had them dead to rights. And now I think it's a complete different game. Two teams in different places, a bunch of guys that were injured that aren't anymore. Um, both teams are pretty healthy. It's going to be a tough game. I think the first goal is going to say a lot about it. If they score first, I have a feeling that, it could be typical us in the Champions League. We'll see. Um, I w- I'm going to be su- surprised if they come out and go all-out attack on us because that's kind of what we feast on. I wouldn't be surprised if they haven't watched, honestly, the Arsenal FA Cup game or games like that where if you sit in a little bit with us and hit us on the counter, it's the way to play. Um, they have no Ramos. He's on a red. But other than that, I don't think there's really any yellow or red card trouble. Other than that, and who knows? I just, it's Madrid, it's the Champions League. I know there's no fans, but I don't know. It's, I, I think having no Ramos is a big deal for them, though. Yeah, I think it's a nice, it's not, I, even though there's no fans, I think it's a nice advantage to being able to play that game in your home stadium. So that's nice for sure. Goal. Just because familiar, familiar surroundings help. And then from there, we'll get into like the mini summer tournament, which I'm actually really looking forward to. Um, once we get into that second knockout round, we're just going to have a bunch of knockout games pretty quickly. Um, yeah, so you guys are up 2-1 on Madrid. I think – I don't know. I think you'll probably go through. I think this is going to be – I think City are very motivated by the whole cast situation and FFP, and they're really trying to put the middle finger up at everybody. So, like you said, you've got a lot of your good players back. Laporte's back, so that helps and all that stuff. He but played the first leg. That, I mean – he played the first leg and got his 
hamstring knee-ish again, like in the second half. So we would have been without him second game. And you guys have all seen what we were with him versus without him. So, Right. Is Aguero going to be back or no? No, he's not going to be fit. But he didn't play the first leg. We played with uh, – we kind of played a hybrid formation where Gabby played on the left side. Um, so I – We've also been playing without him for the last month and a half, so I, I think that shouldn't be. Yeah. Obviously, you'd want him in there because he finds a goal when you need one, but um, I think we'll be okay there. Gotcha. Cool. Well, outside, I mean, Byron and Chelsea, I feel like are pretty much done. That's there's Byron's three zero, three zero, and Chelsea have no players. Now. Yeah, Chelsea's pretty much playing their kids at this point. Um, and then, but Barcelona, Napoli, and uh, Juve, Leon are definitely still. Wide open and interesting games. I'm interested to see how that goes. Uh, it'll be interesting. I think the Juve Leon game is probably the other one I'm looking forward to watching, but of course, we're all at the same time. So, just because I want to see Juve have been in good form since the restart, and Leon haven't really played any too many competitive games since then. They just, uh, so, but they've got good players. So we'll see how it goes from there. Um, I do want to say I went on a bashing spree of CBS for putting it behind a paywall. Um, yeah. And I kind of learned more about the situation and I know probably people listening to this feel the same way. Um, Bleacher Report really was, are the people to be mad at. They just up and left it in the middle of the season. Um, and I had a confidential source of somebody who worked at Bleacher Report on the soccer production say that they just a certain guy left the company and they just said, screw it. We're abandoning it. And CBS thankfully picked it up or else we'd have nothing here. Um, and CBS actually put together a pretty good crew for the game day stuff, which is one of the reasons why Bleacher Report was so horrible. That game day production was horrific. Oh, it was terrible. Who's uh, who's the crew for the CBS? Do you know? Um, I have a picture with it right now. I'm trying to pull it up. Um, Gus Johnson. Give, give me two seconds. No, no, no. It's a good crew. It's, it's Carragher's in there. Mika Richards is in there. Um, hey, Abdo. Oh, so they're going. So they're going like World Cup model, where they bring all the foreign guys over. Yes, Roberto Roberto Martinez is on it, and I, I mean, Bobby. Not sure what you think of him as a coach, but I thought World Cup when he did that a couple of years ago, he was really good on it. Can we bring back Bob Lee too? Bob Lee's a legend. Yeah. What do you, uh, Ted? What game are you looking forward to watching in this first? We'll finish, finish while we finish out these uh, round of sixteen games. Uh, I think Man City Madrid's the the one that's poised nicely because uh, City are. I think they're in obviously an advantageous position where they've got two away goals. They're at home. But they're also against Real Madrid, who have ability to, quite frankly, do to City what breaks City down, which is any sort of like counter-attacking side of thing. They've got the pace to get behind a high back line, and then obviously one, you know, one goal here or there. You know, if Madrid score first, it gets very interesting. City aren't exactly the type to just sit in and hold on. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting how they attack that one. I think Juventus at home will turn that around against Leon. Um, I think he's got so much talent at Juventus and obviously being at home as well. I think they'll turn that one around. Just as I think uh, Barcelona at home is uh, 
I would say a, a full. That's 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 done. I think Barcelona will take will take Napoli probably three. Getting two nil at home, three one aggregate. But I think the biggest one. I think we're all looking forward to see City and Madrid and see if kind of uh, Benzema, the man we've talked about a lot, can he uh, can he carry him through? Lewis, anything you want to add to that? No, I agree. City and uh, Madrid are probably the game to watch. I will be interested to watch Barcelona and uh, Napoli on Saturday. Got a friend yeah. who's a big Barcelona fan, and as a club, I can't stand them. So I hope they go crash and burn out of this thing and uh, win nothing this year. So I, that, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be cheering for Napoli for sure in that game. And uh, Leon for sure. So we'll see what happens. And Saturday, I just want to see Bayern like possibly just put seven past Chelsea because that would be exciting mm-hmm. as well. All right. Well, let's take a break there and we will come back and then we'll talk about transfers, answer some of your questions and go from there. All right, welcome to the second half of the Top 4 Podcast. We're going to be talking transfers here, what's going on in the world of the Premier League and just around the, the world. Um, there are There has been some movement being made, notably by Chelsea and Man United. Um, some news breaking today around some Arsenal stuff as well and some other tra- transfers. I did want to really quick before we get in that, talk about Eddie Howe. Um, so he, talking about transfers, he left Bournemouth, uh, was announced Saturday right after the FA Cup. Um, Really, really good coach. I think we've talked about him on this podcast before. A guy who has taken that had taken that club from the championship up to even less than that, right? He was in League One when he was coaching. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah he took so him, he's, took him he's all take, the way to the top. He's taken them all the way up. Quite a he basically made them a for quite a few years, five years of Premier League stalwart, which it seems like they were part of the furniture at this point, but. Crazy to only think it's been five years, but he's decided to him and Borman decided to mutually part ways, which I think is generally a good move in this situation. Um, he is a really good coach. He's well respected, and I think he will probably be top of the line for any new jobs that come along. Um, anything any of you also want? Any of you guys want to add about him? Hope he gets back in the game again soon. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy him. He's one of my. Being a coach of another sport, he's one of the guys I've, I've learned some stuff from him, so I've, I enjoy having him. Gotcha. Let's hope he maybe, you know, he could pop up with the U.S. national team. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, we'll go from there. Uh, let's talk about transfers. Garbs, I know you want to talk about a lot of these things, some things on your mind. Go ahead. Um, I think it's going to be funny next year when Man United field a billion-dollar team that they haven't fixed any other problems because they're after everybody, the prices they're paying are crazy. Um, going back to what I said, you don't see a negative article written on a, what Man United's going to pay for a player, but uh, they're paying as much. They're buying players in positions that they already have and spending a hundred million dollars on them. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really understand what they're doing. They remind me of like when, so here's, Real Madrid used used to have the Galacticos, right? 
they would spend tons of money and back in the day like tons of money was like 40 million pounds or whatever it was euros but they were on like legitimate superstars and then that team was just full of a bunch of superstars man united are spending so much money on people that aren't legitimate superstars in a lot of cases and a lot of them turned out to be flops so it's very interesting to me how they're going about recruitment i think a lot of it comes down from ed woodward being in charge i don't think he's actually made a good signing i think james sancho will probably turn out to be all right but i mean bruno as much as we trash him is a good signing yeah that's true yeah so bruno and we'll see what the jury saw on sancho hasn't played a game yet but i mean if you look at mcguire i mean all fred. the defensive signings they yeah all their defensive signings fred they spent 50 million on fred i believe yeah more than that so um not been great alexis sanchez is a great deal for both Clubs involved in that swap deal. Um, he's been left let go in a free. Um, so who knows? They're signing a winger when they've got the front three pretty well established. And they still need help in defense and midfield. Pogba, another one that's been not a great signing in terms of what you expect him to deliver. So we'll see, see from there. Uh, Ted, what's going on in Liverpool? Breaking news. Uh, it looks like we're going to sign a Hit positive news on Thiago, supposedly, according to Spanish newspapers, which, you know, up in the air on that one. The interesting one out of the blue, uh, Isa Mandy from Real Betis, who would provide centre-back and right-back cover. Kind of a Klopp-ish sign-in. He's only... Uh, he's, a really, he's a really good player. He's only he's talking about 9 million, which, you know, he's a bit older than we normally sign. He's 28, which isn't normally the Klopp way, but, you know, 9 million for a kid who's a man who's uh, proven at a good level and, you know, plays in a, you know, this plays in Spain. So, I mean, he's good on the ball, which kind of suits what, uh, you know, what he wants the back four to do. Um, gives a bit of cover, which, you know, I think, you know, you look at the amount of games Trent has to play and obviously Van Dyke's playing, I think, every minute of every game, which is a lot. Um, so, you know, if we can give him a, a spell every now and then, I think it would be nice, but, uh, yeah, I still said it before. You know, I think you're looking at those sorts of signings. People talking about Jaden Sancho to Liverpool was never realistic. We're not spending 108 million. Not happening. What about um, Mbappe? Is he coming? Only if Le- LeBron pays half. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think we're what you see is what you got. I think in terms of impact, and uh, that's just kind of the way we've we've rolled. I think last year we spent what 1.9 million net in the summer. It doesn't seem to be. They don't seem to like to either do or they don't. And I think this year is a don't. I think from the uh, the powers that be. Chago's interesting. So he's going to probably him and Wijnaldum will trade places, or oh, I think you know Wijnaldum doesn't. Uh, Thiago is interesting for me because on the board there's no questions, but you're looking at him trying to jump in and replace the work rate of a. Of a Wijnaldum or you know a Milner when he plays that role, or even you know Oxley Chamberlain when he plays centrally, it's such an important role for us from a pressing standpoint that you know Thiago being at you know, where he's been Barcelona and then Bayern Munich where you have the ball all the time. Um, be interesting to see how he how he adapts. To be honest, I think there is an there's could be some adaptation, but I think he does add something different in terms of final pass at that number ten position that you know. In, Lacked probably um, since Coutinho left. Um, 
I think that's also why you see Firmino kind of dropping an awful lot deeper because he is obviously very good at that final pass. But I don't know, it's going to be interesting. I, I think I'd, if I got those two, you know, I'd like to see a left back, um, a natural left footed left back, I think would be a good signing just for, again, Robertson does a hell of a lot of work. Um, but I think other than that, we're going to, uh, you know, go all in on, on the ones that got us where we are. Yep, and you made some good. You got Minamino as well as some other guys you signed. So you got some really good young kids coming through. It's interesting. I'm interested to see how next year goes. City definitely going to invest huge. I mean, who did you who did you guys just get? Garbs. We announced. We we announced Ferran Torres tomorrow. Um, twenty year old from Valencia. We got him for twenty three mil, which is actually a good price for a young kid. That's a really good deal. Um. Yeah, so that's a good one. And I think Ake is done too. Um, yep. And I think I, I'm a big fan of that signing. I know the price tag was a little high, but when Harry Maguire goes for 80, paying 40 for a young guy with an upside, I think is, is okay. Um, this, I keep reading we're going to get another center back, but I, I think the pri- top priority right now is re-signing Eric Garcia. There's been a lot of noise out of Barcelona that, He's their top target, um, so we'll we'll see what goes with that. He's a Spanish kid, so I, I wouldn't I would understand him going back there. But I think you're walking into kind of a mess there. So I don't know if that's something he wants to do or if he wants to continue because I think he's he's the first choice on the sheet next to Laporte right now. So I, I think he's in a good spot. I hope he stays. Um, I've seen a lot of other type players, but more like squad depth kind of guys that, that we're being linked to, but we'll see. Yeah. Ake is one of those ones who I think like – he's only 25 years, but I thought he's been – I feel like he's been around forever. Yep. For, I mean, part of that's because he's been in the Chelsea loan system. So, But, yeah, I mean, I know he gets, a, he gets sort of a bad rap because he's only 5'11", but really good ball playing center back, and I feel like he's a really good player that would excel well in the – Pep team, so yeah, it doesn't need I to be six pretty four sh- to play for Pep at center back. Yeah, I think he's a really good shrewd signing in a situation where, you know, I think Arsenal were linked to him at one point, for like a couple years ago, and I was definitely would have been happy with that. But yeah, really good for us. Uh, I really for good for signing for you guys. I know for um, what's his name, Ferran Torres. Yeah, yep. yep. I keep wanting to call him Ferran Adria, who's the uh head chef from El Bulli, but yeah. <laughs> that was, that, that's the only random thing that keep popping in my head, but from there, and then, uh, Lewis, big news today, man. We're getting the superstar that is Willian, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pe- people are definitely one of two sides of that one. They're either excited <laughs> yeah. about it or no, they think no. it's the worst uh, transfer in the but history he's not, of man. But he's on a freeze, so what's the a player with this experience three years. Who's, it, who's won stuff? I mean, the issue is that apparently the contract is three years with an option for a fourth, and he turns 32 uh, on the 9th of August. I have only it's one to... question about his transfer, though. Is yep. Does David Luiz talk him off of the free, free kicks? I mean, he, no. he talks Pepe <laughs> off of them, so probably. <laughs> um, but I think, it, I think it's a good signing. I've seen people say it's too long, sure. Um, I've seen people say, well, where is he going to play in the 11? And I, my point would be, he's not going to be in the 11, probably, for the most part. He's going to be actually give us some kind of attacking option off the bench. 
who has proven himself that can come on and score goals, set up goals. So that one's good. Um, Coutinho is linked with us on a, on, on a loan. That, you know, a loan sounds like something that we would do right, right now. Um, I'd be fine with that as well. We don't have any uh, creativity in the team. And then the last one is probably the most exciting one to me, and that's Jolson Fernandez from uh, Portugal, young 20-year-old winger who, if you see his highlight clips, he reminds me of Sterling a little bit short, um, just puts puts it past people and, and, and goes. But we've had two bids turned down to date. Um, so I'm not 12, sure if that's likely. 12? No, we've got, we've gone up to 20 million now. What was, uh, was your second bid? 20 million and one? No, <laughs> 20 million I, I two, think we went friend. from 16 to 20. Um, I think That's his jump. release clause is something like 35 or 40, but he's at, um, I don't think it's Sporting Lisbon, but somewhere like that where their, um, I guess, club finances are completely screwed. So we're basically aware that they're not going to hold out for the full sum because they just need need cash. So we'll yeah. see if that comes comes through. Yeah, but how many times have we played that game as a club, and then some other like Barcelona comes in and just says whatever, we'll pay it, and it's done. So yeah. that's my only concern there. But yeah, I get you. Like re re rated Malaga for uh, for Santi and um, and Nacho in, in similar circumstances. So the fact that we made two bids makes me a little bit more confident that the interest is high there. There's still rumors floating around party. Oh, we'll see what happens. I, I don't see that one happening. Not if we get uh, Willie and Coutinho. I think we're going to end up with um, kind of like a, as I would say, like a Klopp kind of signing. Some under-the-radar player from yeah. Germany or France that comes in and just does, a, does his job. Yeah, like I mentioned today, like we're clearly... In bed, or at least Edu and Raul are kind of in bed with some of these super agents right now. So we're taking on some of these. I think William is a good signing for a couple reasons. The three years plus one, I think the plus one option is for us to basically take up, not on him. Um, but like you said, he's not going to be a starter, but you have to figure also we have Martinelli and Saka coming through. So he's an older player that if, if he's coming off the bench, like we're not going to feel bad. He probably won't feel great or bad either if he's collecting a decent paycheck um, per week in terms of like if Sock and Martinelli are in front of them. So it allows them to both have to learn from an experienced player and also develop under them instead of signing a young winger who all of a sudden now pushes Martinelli and Sokka to the back burner at this. Point. So in that case, I'm not really that worried about it. I think, like I said before, and I mentioned to you, Lewis is like, I'm fine with it if we're going to deal with these super agents, but I would definitely like the fact that if we're signing Cedric Suarez and David Luiz and William on these things, and they they should definitely be hopefully we're asking them to do us a favor when it comes to some of these other studs that are coming through Brazil and other areas of the world that they represent, like and helping us get some of those deals through. So your Kia, Jorbachans, and Raul Mendes and all that stuff, like if that's how we want to play it, that's fine, but there needs to be some – Situations thrown our way. I'm, I'm assuming Coutinho is probably repped by one of those guys. I've yeah. seen, I've seen the thing. I've seen, I've seen Guendouzi. He's been projected at going for. We're we're putting him on the market for 40 mil. That's fine with me. I mean, if we somehow shift Ozil, that's 300. That's we're going to save 700,000 pounds a week just off him and Mkhitaryan going if we can shift him. So, I mean, the money's there for the wages if we can do it. But we'll see what happens um, from that situation. 
<sighs> Chelsea looks like they're going to get Havertz now. We've got Zayek and... Uh, I saw them link to Lewis Dunk today, too. That's interesting. Did you see that um, Danny Drinkwater has been trying to recruit Ben Chilwell on Twitter? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> They're going to have to I pay mean, for Chilwell. Lester said they want to break a record with him. They want like 70 mil. Yeah. So that Chelsea would be a very uh, Harry um, uh, Maguire type signing to me. I, I don't see yeah. Chilwell as being one of the best left backs in the world. So why would you spend that much? Well, I don't see Harry Maguire being one of the best center backs in the world. Right. But, right. That's, that's, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but they're spending money like they don't care, which apparently doesn't really matter anyway. So, I mean, you talk about United having a billion dollar squad. Chelsea could spend 500 mil this summer easy at this point. So, interesting to see how that goes. Anything else catch your eye on the transfer market or should we move on to questions? Um, just to I, confirm, uh, Kia. Kia is uh, Coutinho's agent. Oh, signed. signed oh, he def- he's definitely good. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely gonna be an Arsenal player. On probably <laughs> three hundred grand a week, and yeah, and Kia will get ten million just for doing the yeah business. Man, I can't wait to see Coutinho and William in the in the team next year. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have too many honestly, Brazilians like, to win anything. I was I was gonna say honestly, we're gonna end up like being like PSG or whatever when all the Brazilian clique just like takes over the dressing room and it just all falls apart. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm I'm excited. I mean, we we got we're gonna have football back. The Premier League's gonna be back in about six weeks, five weeks, which is crazy to think about. Charity Shield, four weeks. We're all good, man. Let's go. All right, let's talk about questions. Garbs, I know you got one. Oh, you want me to do that one I posed to the group? Yeah. Let me find it. I I had another question. Um, I'll I'll. Lead off with that one. I saw this question on Twitter, so I'm stealing. Um, And it was on an ESPN FC post, which was even better. And the question, they were asking questions for Gab Marcotti. And one guy said 30% possession versus Liverpool, 30% possession versus Man City, and 40% possession versus Chelsea despite a man advantage. All wins. Did Arteta learn from Pep or Mourinho? And I just wanted to know what you thought of that. I can go. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> I think he learned how to win from, from from Pep. I mean, he's talked pretty openly when asked in the press about, is this how he wants to play? And without saying it, he in a very political way, he said, basically, my my, my team is shit, so I have to do this to win games. I mean, it's basically the gist of what he's saying so I think he just is a tactical guy there's been some interesting pieces out uh, about the role that Maitland Niles played in the game over the weekend and drawing him in to midfield and running all the, over the top I think there's a lot of small things in games that he does well that Arsenal probably haven't seen even since Wenger because Wenger just played the same way against everyone and Mikel I think analyzes things well and picks things apart. I think when we have a team that he can use in an offensive way, you'll uh, hopefully see it. Yeah, I fair. agree. I was, just, I was just, don't kill the messenger. No, 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 I no. just saw the question. No, I, I think yeah. it's fair. Yeah. I think, it's, I think there's some interesting stuff. I think, yeah, I think that's exactly what Lewis said. I think 
modern managers now just want to win. I mean, there are different ways to do it. I think Mourinho is, as much as people like say, hey, you know, for to be fair, Mourinho, his whole career is built on sitting deep, soaking up pressure and scoring a goal and, you know, going from there. I mean, there were very rarely that his teams ever play attractive football um, when you think about it. But when you think about your modern managers, Klopp's teams don't, I mean, they have, I, I mean, you guys pretty much dominate possession, but at the same time, your chance creation doesn't come from like midfield. It comes from your wing backs. It comes from your front three, which is awesome. Like that's, so they play a different style of football where you have city who have really creative midfielder and De Bruyne, Sterling. You've got Bernardo Silva. You've got all those guys on there. So you, you know, they kind of, everyone kind of operates differently. And I think what Mikel's seen is here's my team. I inherited with barely any resources whatsoever, a team that was basically floundering in November um, and said, this is what I got. And I'm just going to use it in a situation, in a format that enables me to have the best chances of winning. And in this, in that, that period, he's beaten Liverpool at home. He's beaten city. I mean, granted a lot of these are in pandemic type situations, but you have, he beat United at home, lost to Chelsea at home, but, and also drew with them and then beat them in the FA Cup final. So there has been improvement there. He's also taken players that were in the wilderness and in some regards, either because of their own actions or because of the fact that Unai Emery just, I don't know what the hell he was doing, but, and giving them new life. So that's a really positive aspect from there. I think he takes a lot of that from Pep. I don't think, I mean, I don't know if there's too many coaches in the Premier League that really respect Mourinho, but, outside of his trophy-winning capabilities, but I don't know, just me. So that's what I think in general. <sighs> nice. All right, you want, you want my other one? Uh, does anyone else have any other questions before we go to the other one? No. Garbs on a roll. Don't rub it. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, let's go, Garbs. No, uh, Men and Blazers posted this before. I thought it was a good question, and I, I'm trying to find that guy's response <laughs> um the question was what is the american equivalent of europa league something that seems lesser but is actually connoisseur's choice and why and i just need to read this guy's response because this was the first response on twitter guy replied stories from the real estate industry everyone is obsessed with wall street but the level of skullduggery and scoundrels per capita is much higher in real estate <laughs> I feel like they got and the response that. below that is this is the unexpected Venn diagram. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like that guy got lost somehow and just ended up on that that comment and just started posting without anyone ever and actually reading what the hell this was. So super interesting. So we're no, talking but I think about it's a good question because like yeah. our, that's one of the hardest things to explain to friends that aren't soccer fans that are trying to get into it. It's like, oh, like Man City's playing today. Why isn't it blah, blah, blah? It's like, oh, it's not a Premier League game. It's a this game. People have a hard time with competition. But so like when you explain Champions League to somebody, they get it. And then you explain Europa League and they're a little lost. So it's like, what would be our equivalent here? And it's also, I feel like when I talk to friends and they're like, why are you playing? Yeah. So, okay, you're playing European. And they're like, why is this weekend game not a Premier League game you're playing like? Brentford or whatever it is, right? And, yep. And it's like, well, this is the League Cup. 
okay, what's the League Cup? Well, it's the situation, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, and this other time we're pl- you're playing some League, t- or yeah, again, where you're playing like Leeds, and it's like, well, this is the FA Cup. It's a completely different competition. It's like, so trying right. to explain that to people who don't, the way I kind of explain, at least European football, to my friends who don't know football, it's like, you have your league, which you kind of understand if you can compare it to hockey. You know, you get points for win, draw, loss. And then from there, I com- I also said, by the way, also, you have a European competition, which is like almost imagine if you put March Madness in the middle of the season where you play all the top teams around Europe. But yeah. also, by the way, you also have a group stage <laughs> before that. And then when you get in the knockout rounds, I kind of understand. So yeah. I know it's hard, but like if you want to compare it to a sporting event in the U.S., so like what you, Europa League would be, yep. Like are we, like when they, I, the use of connoisseur, does that mean like something that like you just enjoy watching even if other people don't? Yeah. Like, like, I think it's like, it was a cheeky like typical men in blazers, like. Like hipster kind of comment almost. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, wanted, I wanted to go more simplistic with that response. You know, because I think it's, yeah. I think it's important to keep things, you know, very concise and not over, over chats. My answer is <laughs> Major League Baseball. Um, is where I'm going to go with that. Major, Major League Baseball <laughs> is the connoisseur's choice um, of the Europa League. It's played randomly on Thursday nights, sometimes Thursday afternoons, sometimes Thursday lunchtimes between two teams no one really gives a shit about. Um, te- benches are massive, full of young kids at times, and sometimes old men that don't really want to play. Um, and more often than not, <laughs> the results go by with no one batting an eyelid. So my my response is uh, major major league baseball. <laughs> that is so good. I don't even think I can. I don't even think I can give my answer after that. Torino just hates major league baseball. It's, we started out the pod hating them, about to end the pod hating them. It's just fair. It's all right. I'm consistent. <laughs> I'm consistent. Hey, yeah. I don't know. Garbs, go ahead with your answer. I think you have more logical answer. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say I read a comment and I was thinking the same thing. Um, the NIT in college basketball, um, like if your school's in the NIT, you're fired up for it. But if your school's not in it, you're not gonna watch it. Um, and it's still good teams. Like it's above average teams, but it's not like the ones that you really want to tune in to watch. So. And they're still playing for something. It used, I mean, the NIT used to be a big deal when you won it. It used to be basically the national championship, but now it's reserved for teams over 500 that don't make the tourney. And, I mean, like, if you're sitting home on a Thursday night and there's nothing on TV, you'll throw on an NIT game if it's between, like, two schools you know. And I feel the same way about Europa League. Yeah, for sure. I didn't mean to use the word logical. I meant to make – you were saying you could almost a more direct comparison than to the Europa yeah. League. Then, Lewis, what do you got? But Ted thinks his is direct. I think. <laughs> oh, I know Ted does. Ted is one hundred percent sold that Major League Baseball is basically useless, which is fair. Everyone can have their own opinion. I mean, in the, in the current state of affairs, they're proving themselves useless. <laughs> they are. They are not doing well to disprove that notion at this point. <laughs> so let's. They're basically pulling teams out of a bag based off who doesn't have COVID. To play each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
it's like, oh, uh, well, this team is can't play for two weeks, and this team can't play for two weeks. So, do you want to play this team? It's like, well, yeah. And then, ha- and then, and the other four teams are like, actually, we don't even want to play right now. We all voted not to play. So, <laughs> that's like that is kind of like the Europa League, where you're like, do you really want to go to Korobag? No, not really. Like, let's just let's just call it a day. Do you want to go to Baku? No, I'm all set. Thanks. Appreciate it. Bate Borisov. Yeah. Hey, Bate Borisov. Good side. Good side. I'll take him. Good side. It's more. It's more. It's more like. Do you want to go play the random countries in Azerbaijan or whatever it is? They are the Montreal experts of the Europa League. Yeah, for sure. As in, they don't exist. Lewis, what's your answer? I was trying to come up with one, and I couldn't really find a good comparison. I was trying to get like an actual good comparison, and the closest I got is a much better comparison to the FA Cup, and that's the uh, U.S. Open. Cup, there's a name for it, I can't remember, but basically where the USL League 1s and 2 play MLS, and I do enjoy watching that, just because similar to the FA Cup, it's always fun to watch the little teams try and have a shot. Uh, But similarly to the Europa League, no one cares, so it's a good little uh, combination. Yeah, for sure. I'll say, in a kind of a way that Ted said about baseball, I will say like any golf tournament outside of the U.S., like the four majors, and mm-hmm. maybe uh, hard disagree. Okay, well we can get into that. Well, give me a second to finish my thought here. <laughs> any, <laughs> any, uh, any golf tournament outside of the four majors, and uh, God, now I'm drawing a blank. Oh, the players, like they just happen; they're there. But in kind of a, a, a link to the Europa League, once the big names get involved, and they are in some of those medium-sized tournaments and you have your your Tigers, your Deschambeaus, or who, by the way, is having a great week, two weeks, your, your Kepkas, etc. Like, and they get involved and people will definitely tune in because once you get to the knockout rounds, especially the later stages of the Europa League, you start getting those bigger league, bigger names start playing and they get, it gets a little more interesting in that situation. So that's mine. Go ahead, Garbs. Why do you disagree? I, I watch the Golf Channel every night. Uh, I, just because you fall asleep to the golf channel doesn't mean that no <laughs> another comparison I, I to the Europa League. I can't recall a weekend, especially lately, where I haven't been dialed in to golf the entire weekend. I'm either I mean, playing it or watching it. Yeah, I mean that's totally, and, ga- and gambling heavily on it. That's totally fair, but it's also one of the only sports that's going that's actually doing anything decent around it, and all the big guys are playing in those tournaments. So. Yeah, I know, but like my whole life, I've been Sunday afternoon is golf for me. I guess okay. that's just me then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no. <laughs> I mean, I definitely agree with you playing it a lot, watching tournaments, if, especially if some of my favorite golfers are playing. But yeah, especially on some of the Sunday afternoons, I'm not really. It, like before... the week after a major, I'm not tuning in. Right. Before COVID specifically, yeah. On some of those small tournaments, I'm not interested. But, yeah, I mean, recently you're right. I've been – it's really been the only thing on. So, it's been fun to watch. I'll watch him play putt-putt at this one, at this pace, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, that'd be really I fun. I actually did. Did you see that Steph Curry show? Oh, that – No. How has that been made into a program, by the way? It's like Ninja Warrior the... with golf and a pandemic came together and decided this is a good idea. And guess what? I watched it. Jesus, mate. <laughs> well, South Florida, you can't go anywhere else, Terrible. can you? So, 
<laughs> no. Are you, are you going to be okay with the hurricane? Quotation marks. Uh, it it, it yeah. passes. We had a storm today worse than the hurricane was here. And I'm not saying that because it might be bad other places. But we get afternoon thunderstorms here that are worse than that. And more importantly, yeah. th- does Lacoste make a hazmat suit for you? Or is that something? <laughs> I have I have a couple. Okay, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right, I have one last question for you all. Um, did we, we did last week? We did breakout players and stuff like that, right? Yep. Who was your coach of the season? Chris, anybody can jump in. Chris Wilder, Sheffield United. Yeah. Yep. That's that's what I would say as well. Okay. It's hard to argue with Klopp this year. Like, I think any other situation in history, it's Klopp's award, no doubt. But I, I just think what Wilder did was, I don't know if anybody's ever done to the extent that they did, where they were fighting for Europe all the way up until the last two weeks. With so. such a small squad. I mean, he only yeah. had probably 14-ish like senior pros and everybody else coming in were, were young lads getting 10, 15 minutes here and there and did it in old school fashion, you know, like, uh, you know, kind of boot room type mentality, you know, probably, uh, you know, the, the, the modern equivalent of beers on the bus type thing, you know, after the games and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, local fellow coaching his local team. It's, uh, it's, it's a good story and good to see and hope they can find a way to, to maintain it and keep up next year, to be honest. Good job. All right. And I got one more. I've got a couple more questions. You can just really quickly go through the list because uh, we're running out of time here. All right. So since the restart happened, I'm going to go off some a couple of categories and then we'll go around the table and you can answer. Uh, best player since the restart. Worst player since the restart. Best team since the restart. Worst team since the restart. And best coach since the restart. Best or worst coach since the restart. Oof. Throwing a lot on me there. Yeah. It's just six best and worst. Of the I, coach I can just team. say worst. Worst team was Palace, and I don't think anyone can really argue with that. They dropped twenty three out of twenty four points since the restart. Is that a that's a legit stat? Yeah, oh, twenty three out of twenty four points they dropped. Well, there we go. That's everyone's answer to that one. Uh, I'm gonna go with Leicester. Yeah, because outside of point, outside of points. He's also going to take my worst manager since the restart because outside of points, they completely blew. I mean, not to say that we didn't predict it, but they completely blew a situation that they should have solidified in the Champions League. So, Brendan Lester will take it from me. Um, I can't best argue, can't since argue with either of those, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I, I read a stat. So, you just talked about 20, 23 out of 24. Apparently, since January, Lester have lost like. 19 of their last 28 games, something like that. Or, I'm sorry, like, it's something crazy, like, ridiculous. Or drop points in those games. So, it's kind of since Liverpool thrashed them on Boxing Day. Yeah, so, basically, it was, like, a stat from since that point on. They picked up pretty small situations of points. Hashtag uh, Big Ben Ben Pub, says. Oh, absolutely. Give me a a shout-out. Give me a shout-out. Big Ben Pub. That was with Coach, too, wasn't it? I think he was there for a sec. Ledge. Maybe not. Anyway, um, best player since the restart for everyone. 
Unless, unless uh, Lewis, did you have a different coach you want to go with? I have a different team. Let's go with for worst team. Go for it. Norwich. They've been shit all year long, and it continued. <laughs> <laughs> they were hapless, huh? <laughs> they were yeah. shit. They were pants. <laughs> Absolute pants. And, uh, and Cantwell's there getting relegated doing TikToks. Oh, Behave yourself. Behave yourself, trash. son. Put, 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 put your braids him. away. Put your braids away. Oh, man. The main stock has completely fallen since the restart, too. It's pretty terrible. Yeah, he's off my list. I talked highly of him, but I've I've rescinded that since TikTok. Speaking of shitty TikTok, still use it. We're gonna have to send Pulisic back to the to the trash heap after his TikTok video that came out. I think it, it, it put too much strain on his hamstring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shitty dance moves will do it to you. Not enough recovery days. <sighs> All right, ask Frank. Best player since the restart. Best player, Fernandez. It's gonna pain me to say Bruno. Yeah. yeah, yeah, probably. I'll take it. All right, that's an easy one. That's unanimous. Worst player, same team for me. David De Gea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh Keppa. Keppa is up there as well. I think Keppa's up there. Keppa for sure. Keppa got Keppa's dropped by his, up there. his own team before cup final. Yeah, I think Keppa's got to take that. And before the final day of the final day of the league, too, both of meaningful games for them. Yeah, I think I think Keppa yeah, takes tough. the cake on that one. Because best player, I could name. you could make a choice too for Pulisic before he got injured, but it is what it is. Danny um, Ings, yeah, good, great shot. Yeah, yeah. Did I see he scored twenty goals. goals this year? Uh, I think he got stuck at eighteen, didn't he? Either way, so, then, and then uh, yeah, I'll look him up real quick while you talk. While you think over your best manager since the restart, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there for worst managers just to feed Ted's fire. I sent him this uh, stat the other day. It was it's a guy said impressive first season for Lampard. Took Chelsea from third to fourth. Got six fewer points than Sorry. Conceded as many goals as Brighton, lost the FA Cup final to a fairly ramshackle Arsenal. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I feel like I feel like he's gonna get found out for if they don't. I mean, I know they spend a shit ton of money on their forwards, but their defense needs a lot of work, and he doesn't seem to be very tactical in game. Um, so I feel like they have a decent chance of getting found out next year. We'll see what they do. They'll score a lot of goals. I mean, they're gonna be. Yeah. They're gonna be. Similar to what City were without Laporte, which is in every game scoring a lot of goals and just it's, it's whether it works. Or Liverpool before VVD too. Quite frankly, yeah, I mean, it's whether it works, whether you can manage to, you know, kind of ride that for long enough. But you know, I, I think I think Lampard has uh, has gone from like English hero as a footballer to that he's just he's had a couple bad moments, I think, which. You know, I think if you look at the Liverpool one in terms of his reaction to what is an, a team appealing for a foul, which coming from a Mourinho, you know, player, he played for Chelsea back in the day when Mourinho would knee slide in the corner when he scored goals, uh, <laughs> is, is 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 a little bit, a little bit trite. And then obviously you look at all his celebrations when they uh, got to a playoff final and lost last year. Um, I, I don't know. I think he's. Uh, I hope he figures it out because I think he's uh, he's shown a touch of arrogance, which I don't think he ever really showed as a player, which is intriguing to me. 
Really? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I think as a player, he was he was he was obviously he worked really hard, scored a lot of goals, but yeah, I don't think I ever thought of him as like an arrogant player. You know what I mean? But uh, maybe, yeah, maybe I. <laughs> Sorry, boys. You're fine. I feel I don't know. It, it might have just been the whole encompassing Chelsea team at that time that I just kind of lumped him in with those guys. Which is fair. So Completely think, fair. Completely yeah. fair. Yeah, I think I think what he I'll predict that he's gonna change that team and do another team that we all hate with a passion pretty soon. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. A lot of American uh, new fanboys are, are jumping on that wagon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I mean. Fair enough. I mean, Pulisic is, is what he is. He's been playing well. We'll see how his ham, hammy does because that, that looked not, like a bad one. That did not look good. I mean, so, I'll, I mean, he's already going to lose his place to Zayat coming in because he's not going to be healthy for the new season. So, anyway, we'll see. Uh, Danny Ings had 22 goals this year, just so you know. Uh, so, good player there. Uh, and then, Lewis, did you, did you have a terrible manager of the year? Um. Not really, no. So, yeah. No. No. Best manager of the restart, I'll go. I'll go. I mean, I, I'll still stick with Chris Wilder because I think he turned it around when everyone kind of like rethought that, you know, they were falling apart. And then he still managed to turn it around, go from there, and then uh, really kind of just got them back into, well, hopefully we thought it was going to be a European position, but it didn't turn out that way, but still. Really sweet, and I'm looking forward to what they what they do next next year as well. So. I always vote for Sean Dyche, manager of the year. Sean Dyche, gotta go. What did they what they finish tenth? Top I think a top half, weren't they? Yeah, consistently top half at a team like Burnley. With I'm telling you, I think that a lot of managers of teams did a really good job. Freaking Southampton. Hasenhutl, like, look what he did with that team that at the beginning of the year looked like they were going to be a relegation. Zone. I mean, they got beat, what, 9-0, was it? Yep, 9-0. So, I mean, yeah, he's, he's done, qu- done, quite, to done quite well to uh, to kick himself into a, a safe place after the restart, wasn't he? I mean... So, there was a stat, too, talking about Leicester and Southampton. Since that game, Southampton have actually taken more points than Leicester has. That's insane. I th- I saw like the form chart post pandemic and Southampton I think was second on the table. Danny so, Yang. I mean, they're pretty much useless, but you know, good for them finishing eleventh. Joe Cup final. Yeah, Joe. Good job, Joe. All right, boys. Well, any more for any more? Or are we all good? I'm good. I'm good. All right. Say goodbye, Lewis. See ya. Say goodbye, Garbs. Later, boys. And say goodbye, Teddy. Neal. Goodbye, Major League Baseball.